Hey girls, hey boys, superstar DJs, here we go. This week we're talking about the third studio album by the Chemical Brothers, Surrender. Welcome to the Essential Albums Podcast, where three guys from 85 have a conversation about some of the biggest albums ever and forgotten favorites from yesteryear. We'll dive into an album's place and culture, discuss its merits, and decide if a record holds up and if it's worth your time. Of course, we get into a lot more than just that. So join us, Ryan, Anise, Gordon, as we dive into this week, the Chemical Brothers. Okay, so um, this isn't my, I just, actually, no, I always want to dive into something later. Gordon, what question do you want to start with? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, I guess we went with kind of like a, a common favorite between the three of us. I'm not sure. I know we all wanted to do a Chemical Brothers album or, or it's been talked about. So I'm not sure if it was any one person that specifically uh, picked this album. And I know we also debated between uh, Dig Your Own Hole and Surrender. Um, and further. And further, of course, yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah. We I can... actually thought it was you. I thought it was you. I assumed, I guess. Who, me? I get picked the album? Well, you're the guy who gave me the Chemical Brothers. You brought Chemical <laughs> Brothers to me, so I, I just, like, I mean, maybe Ursel brought it to you. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, I mean, yeah, it's like a third hand kind of. Um, but, I yeah, I guess we can kick it off by asking, uh, what's your what's your current relationship with the Chemical Brothers? Uh, how about you, Ryan? What do you, you can start it off. Um, you know... What's my current relationship? It's probably the same as it's always been. <laughs> it hasn't changed. Okay, so, you know, it kind of gets... I have to explain how I got to know Chemical Brothers because I knew them just as like this electronic but alternative band because they would always get played on Edge and they're like, you know, on... They're on Big Shiny Tunes, right? Big Shiny Tunes 2? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Block Rock and Beats. And, you know, they have, you know... Noel Gallagher, I think he he was on the the track. Yeah, and like Block Rock and Beats won for best rock instrumental performance. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so I knew them like that, but I didn't I didn't get into any of their albums because you know I don't know it was still on the edge of like electronic music at the time. I was not listening to any electronic music, and I didn't listen to any pop like super bubblegum pop stuff when I was younger. So I didn't have like that to bridge me over or anything like that. So anyway, fast forward, fast forward years later, I'm like, okay, Chemical Brothers are cool. They got, they got some songs that come up, but we're in your car, Gordon. And I think further just come out and you're like, check out, check out this. I think we were listening to the first track and you're like, listen to when this bass comes in. I'm like, okay, okay. And yeah, that moment I was like, whoa, cool. And then you gave me that album. You gave me that one. I think surrender, that's it. And, um, I actually, was way more into further because of maybe just because of that experience. So it's weird. That's like the first album for me. So my, my relationship with this band is kind of inverted, like further is my first album and then surrender aside from the singles or more really just the, the big hit single um, is, it sounds like it's like newer weird. Yeah. I guess I'll answer next. Cause this will probably bleed into what Anise will probably go on to say. Um, for me, I think the first, 
when I was thinking back, I think the first album that I actually purchased uh, that was a Chemical Brothers album was the singles collection, the 93 to 03, because I knew all the singles really well. And they were playing the uh, Get Yourself High with Chaos on the radio a lot. And I liked that song. Um, so I, mm. I, I picked that up. And then um, just kind of hanging out with Anise more and then Anise's brother, um, those guys were a lot more into Chemical Brothers. So it, it got me into it. So that's when I started actually buying, going back and buying all their albums. So I think Surrender was the first one I bought then dig your own hole. And then by that time, uh, I think further was probably the one that came out like way later. Um, they, I know they got a lot of albums in between, but those are the three that I know I own like for sure. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah. And before that, I guess I was more, uh, how thought of chemical brothers like you do Ryan, uh, in the sense that everybody knows the singles, everybody thinks of them as an electronic band, but they also have like alternative rock or a rock, aesthetic or feel to them so they kind like of go in both directions yeah um so that's why you'll see them like i think rock fans are also fans of chemical brothers but not in a way like they would be with like daft punk i mean that's probably a terrible example but they they lean more into the rock than they do like the house kind especially of especially when they were first when they were first starting out because daft punk was a lot more like house music whereas chemical brothers were electronic or whatever big beat whatever it was called mm-hmm so yeah, I guess yeah. yeah what's what was your relationship with the minis? Our my relationship's deep. So at the <laughs> when the when they first came out, like when Setting Sun came out. So I'll go before that. So growing up, me and my brother, my had an older brother, and we had an older cousin. So our older cousin was into like dance music. So when we were younger, it was all you know Chris Shepard compilation CDs, Armin van Helden songs, a lot of like early house and jungle music that was coming from uh, in like in the early 90s that was you know kind of a branch off of hip-hop and mm-hmm. samples a lot of that kind of stuff so I was really young at this age but then when I was really young I was always dance music what kind of music do you like dance music and then you know mid 90s is when all the alternative rock was everywhere it was all over much music and then that's kind of when I was old enough to actually actually start liking bands it became rock but then when Setting Sun came out by the Chemical Brothers, it was like the merging of the two worlds. It was like this, this uh, dance group or whatever they were. I didn't know what it was at the time, making this really kind of rocky music. And I had the guy from Oasis singing in it. So my brother, especially, it, it hit really hard with him. It's my bro- brother's like favorite group. We went out, he went out right away. We went to HMV to buy the CD. But uh, those albums, like the album didn't come out until t- years, like a year after Setting Sun and Block Rock and Beats. So they were releasing singles. So my brother bought the singles. He bought their first album. So before they even really broke with that first album, we were already listening to them like regularly because my brother became obsessed. So my relationship is that. And pretty much from that moment on, it's been everything. My brother purchased every mix CD, every single, every EP, Japanese releases, Pretty much any release you can think of of the Chemical Brothers my brother had. So I listened to through Proxy and I also liked it. So it was, I had my songs that I liked that weren't on albums. I, you know, knew their B-sides. I knew their rare stuff. I knew the, I just kind of knew everything by them because I was exposed to it all. And I just loved it. And I just kind of followed through with them ever since. I can't remember a time I didn't listen to the Chemical Brothers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Red. Well, that's that's quite. Uh, that's what I kind of thought that you had more of like a dance music kind of foundation. Yeah. So when Chemical Brothers came along, 
it was like nostalgic. I don't want to say nostalgic. You're not old enough to, for stuff to be nostalgic, but you know, like, Oh, that's a familiar sound. You, you, yeah. you got that. And now it was like, it legitimized your, like your, your initial hey, dance music craze. You well, know? Cause that, it was that same year where chemical brothers, Daft Punk and prodigy all seemed to kind of hit at the same time in 96, 97. And, yeah. uh, in, and then even at the time, because Prodigy had been around for a while, and I remember Much Music playing old Prodigy songs, and I knew them. I just didn't know that they were the Prodigy, but I knew the songs, like No Good Start to Dance and uh, Out of Space. So it was sort of like everything was kind of coming together at that point, too, because some of these artists had, had been around for a while, or even Fatboy Slim. You kind of discover, like, he had aliases, and I was listening to those songs as like a four-year-old or five-year-old or something. My brother was playing them. And it was it's a dance music thing to do, right? Seeped into my brain at, at like a young age. Because, <laughs> I mean, to, it, to compare the two, I mean, to think back during that time, like the 90s, you always had like your standard, like whatever you heard on the radio, like dance music and stuff like that. It was kind of like cheesy, but like you knew what it was. But then this seemed like a good like alternative to that. Um, I guess maybe it's just like house music itself was uh, an alternative to popular dance music at the time. Yeah, it was just, it was different from a lot of the, because dance music had like a more cheesy, like what Gordon was saying, kind of like more of a bubblegum cheesy connotation with it. Like, yeah, you have like, right. but at that point in the 90s, it was a rave culture. So this was kind of coming out of that. And it wasn't as intense as some of the hardcore raver music, but it was of the same kind of ilk. And like, yeah, I, and I think for the mainstream rock audiences, it worked because the the dance music and trance music kind of became the new psychedelic rock festival. So they were taking a lot of the psychedelic elements out of rock and kind of putting it into like electronic dance music. Cause a lot of, especially on surrender, a lot of these songs sound very like 60s psychedelic rock influenced. Yeah. Yeah. Even like taking from some of the post rocky kind of blowy stuff sometimes, but with a beat. So yeah. That, that's a, yeah. It's really yeah. cool. <clears throat> so uh, they seem I, like they're a bridging band they seem like because they have their feet in all these different camps that the different audiences can listen to them and feel at home you know like i don't know or or is they known primarily as a rock band like the how i thought of them like do they have a following of hardcore electronic you know fans oh, who they're, like, they're grand, like they're grand like they're the grand one of the considered one of like the grandfathers of like electronic music at this point because yeah you have your stuff from the 70s and 80s but it wasn't until the 90s with all mm -hmm. this stuff where it was kind of mainstream and there's even there was supposed to be an electronic music um uh museum what are they called? Like those temporary exhibits in, in London this year. And it was called from Craftwork to Chemical Brothers was the name of the exhibit. So, oh yeah. Their name is literally just so ingrained with electronic music at this point. From craft. When, when did Craftwork start? I think late seventies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of computer shit happened between yeah. there. And that's <laughs> the thing too, with electronic music is not like, um, electronic music didn't continue after chemical brothers because it really like it blew up even more but they're still a constant they're still relevant they're still releasing albums that are still great so it's, mm -hmm. it's weird how they're like a pioneer and they're a mainstay and yeah it's, it's interesting you call them a pioneer like there were some things i wasn't sure of okay like for the example here's an example using the term like 
here we go before a, a like a beat drop for me that is it was at the time was that cheesy we already or did the chemical brothers like do it and then then it just became cheesy since then you know what i mean uh i don't know i never really thought of uh the line here we go (laughs) (laughs) what was that band in in high school that rock band like here we go right before the i don't i probably tried to block it out of my memory are you thinking like crystal method or something (laughs) no 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 (laughs) The Crystal Method was good. Yeah, they they came they were kind of came out of this area. Yeah, they came out of there as well, yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing too, I mean, in the mainstream, um, Electronica wasn't really defined. Like I, I think the Grammys finally made it like like best electronic record yeah. uh, Grammy in like the two thousands. So like these guys were getting categorized as alternative instrumental yeah, like- rock. Yeah, block rock and beats one like instrumental rock performance. They and that was the other big thing too, like because it didn't have anywhere it really fit in. It was kind of, it was getting played on rock radio stations. And I believe um, Noel Gallagher singing on Setting Sun was, was a huge part of that as well, because he was from Oasis. So rock fans were familiar with Noel Gallagher. And yeah. I believe, wasn't it uh, Chemical Brothers, they got their start uh, DJing before Oasis shows. I believe that's how that connection initially happened. Yeah, I read somewhere uh, this week that there was like a bar or a club that they all kind of hung out with before they blew up. So like the Oasis guys knew the Chemical Brothers before they had like what's starting Morning Glory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dust Brothers. (laughs) Back when they were the Dust Brothers, that's right. right. That, Um, okay, that actually, because I was wondering like how do you break an electronic band like this? I thought it was like maybe DJs had to spin your tracks at, at clubs, right? But it sounds like they were broke like a regular band. They were opening up for a bigger band, hanging out at the same... Well, they. Yeah. I, I believe, I know a lot of electronic music artists and dance music artists, even if they are making their own songs, a, a lot of their foundation does come from DJing. And I believe them as well, like they would DJ shows. And even yeah. uh, before, I think it was right before this album, they released uh, a, a DJ mix album called The Brothers Are Gonna Work It Out. And the kind of off the fame of uh, Dig Your Own Hole before Surrender came out. I, I believe that's when it came out between those two albums. Or it might have been between the next. I can't remember which two. But yeah, so they were still DJing at this point when Surrender came out even. Yeah, but something I mean, that was something that was oh, big sorry. for them. To, yeah, something that was big for them uh, in terms of that, like the DJing question um, is, I mean, they have their electronic battle weapons, but they were also sought after around like early on for their remixes. They became well known for remixing rock songs, and they, like all these rock bands were like, like there's so many remixes that they've rejected over the years from bands Which just because they, they don't have the time or whatever, right? They don't yeah, want to do it. It's weird because for how big they are, you think that there'd be more remixes that they've done, but there's very little big. Chemical Brother remixes of mm-hmm. songs. Well, the only one I can really think of is the Voodoo People, Prodigy, which was really big. That was, I think, they even the video was that version of the song. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so I guess we can kick off. Uh, I guess the album questions uh, by asking, "What was your first experience with this album?" Uh, I guess you can go for it, Denise. Uh, hey boy, hey girl. Just when that, when that was released as a single, and I, I remember. At, at that point too is when music videos were at its peak so you you they would kind of announce like oh the new you know the new silver chair video is going to be thursday at four or the new stone Temple pilots video is going to be friday at eight and this was one of them hey boy hey girl music video is going to be at thursday at two or whatever it was 
and yeah, just I remember it coming out and kind of meeting all expectations <laughs> of uh, anticipation after Dig Your Own Hole. Yeah, for me, it was, um, I don't remember it like as specifically as that, but I just remember the song, um, like Let Forever Be, that video being like everywhere and mm -hmm. like on Much Music, it was just like nonstop, it felt like. Like I, 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 I've seen, obviously I've seen the uh, hey, hey Boy, Hey Girl music video a bunch of times because it's pretty good too. Um, but the, the Let Forever Be one was the one that always kind of stuck out yeah, because that yeah. one got, that one got the more radio play, I believe, because again, it had Noel Gallagher singing on on it. Yeah, and it, and it, it comes yeah. off as more like a straight up rock song. Yeah, whereas whereas Hey Boy Hey Girl is probably one of the more kind of dancey house tracks on the album as a whole, even. Mm -hmm. Definitely, like I got to know them from Let Forever Be. Like that summer, I was listening to the radio like, ninety nine to two thousand that out like Edge one hundred two all the time. Mm -hmm. and that's the only song i heard like i didn't hear any other singles from this album oh really you didn't know hey boy hey girl at that point or out of control out of control was popular too yeah uh, that's not a rock song right so that's true i guess yeah because yeah. i guess at this point i was buying this like my or my brother and me were buying the cd so it was just sort of the whole album was there once it came out so i never really thought of it as this isn't on the rock radio station, so. <laughs> no, I was in the rock camp, and I was that, like, so they were like this bridging band. It's like, oh, it's the rock electronic band. Yeah. So, but that's only so much of their stuff could get through. True. Yeah, and I, I actually, I think this was at the beginning of the download era, so it might have even been like a download of Hey Boy, Hey Girl that I might have heard. I can't even remember. Maybe it was in the video. 99? Yeah, might have been like a download of the song. Yeah, because that's when um, Napster would have been kind of taking off, like yeah, 99, but that, 2000. So, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to even recall. But, yeah, I just remember the music video being cool with uh, the skeletons and then the Left Forever Be video being what Pitchfork called the quintessential Michelle Gondry video. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, I remember watching it, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just so crazy. But then after years of watching Michelle Gondry videos and, and understanding – his whole like what he does it it's an amazing video mm -hmm. um so they this album had four singles uh the singles were hey boy hey girl let forever be out of control and music response um so what do you guys feel was the biggest song uh from this album let forever be but that's only because of my bubble my rock music bubble of 1999 that's the only one i heard yeah i i'd have to say uh, the biggest song from this album, which is probably the biggest Chemical Brothers song, is Hey Boy, Hey Girl, is it not? Yeah, I, I agree uh, with you on that one, Anise. Um, they I did play Let Forever Be so much, though. They played it yeah, they, so much on the radio. They did, because yeah. so it was the rock crossover, so you're getting the rock radio play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i save that one for my overplayed, but um, <laughs> for, for the biggest song, I thought it was Hey Boy, Hey Girl, like when I thought of this album just coming into it um i didn't even know it was the lead single um i just knew it was big based on kind of like how i was listening to music who i hang out with over the years the music i listen to in the mainstream um so it's kind of a combination of like what you are like how you think of the chemical brothers or that song right or uh, let forever be and then uh hey boy hey girl where it's on that house dancey side that i was mm -hmm. definitely not afraid to get into um 
so I guess what what would be we can ask this question now. What do you think is the most overplayed? Do you think it's Let Forever Be Ryan? I guess. Well, my obviously my biased experience. Yeah, that like seriously, every every day, multiple times, I would be on on the radio, right? So the the most like every little bit of that song is ingrained in my head as like a hook. Even the B section where it's just instrumental, I'm like. I'm just playing it around the house and Clarissa had never heard it before. I'm like, Oh, what? It's like, you don't recognize and not even, what about the B section? Like the instrumental, she's like, nah, Oh, the, the little bit of the hook, uh, about, you know, whatever living in a gutter, that little bit she, she recognized. But like, for me, it was every little note because every day, every play, it was like every hour. Yeah. Cause, seriously. I, Cause I think the, uh, I would agree at the time the most overplayed was uh, Let Forever Be. But I think it's because it was just able to be played on the rock radio stations, able to be played on the pop radio stations. The music video was cool, so it was getting played a lot on much music, whereas Hey Boy, Hey Girl, it got a little bit of play when it first came out, but it was more kind of just played during dance music blocks or, you know, Are You Receiving when that was a show on much music. But it... It, or it wasn't being played on rock radio stations or even pop. Whereas now, because it is sort of just like a just straight up house track, it's still played in the nightclub today because it, it still functions in a nightclub perfectly. So mm. I, it's sort of built over time, maybe the, 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 you know, the people who love it just because it is accessible at any point in time where let forever be was of the moment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with uh, with both uh, what you guys are saying. I, I did think it was the most overplayed at the time. I just remember um, just hearing that song over and over. So um, coming back to it over the years, it's it, it, I've warmed up to it as opposed to before I kind of just got tired of it. Um, but I think it's a great track. I like how it makes everything together. And then that video is um, it, it's based on. I, I did a little research on it, and apparently, it's it's taken the inspirations for it uh, is from uh, a Kinks music uh, live recording of Star Maker and uh, like a, a musical uh, movie from the '30s uh, called Dames. Uh, that's where the the musical or the dancing choreography comes from. So they blurred those things together and made it look old school, new school, where it's like all those like weird transitions, but then it turns into like a reality. It's like super surreal, and yeah, it's just it's just a crazy good video. Yeah. But I do love the song too. Like it was overplayed, but I, I don't know. I got into this thing, especially back during that era when stuff was getting overplayed, where I try to change the radio station or change much music when they were playing a song I liked, just because <laughs> I want to control when I listen to it. Yeah. So I really think of it. Like I always love like the live drums. It has like the cool, like that Chemical Brothers, especially during this era, was all just cool bass lines, and this song was you know one of those. Yeah. Sweet. But yeah, but sweet then it's all, it still had like the rock, the the rock, like the sixties psychedelic psychedelic sound to the music too. So it was great. I thought it worked really well. Yeah, and after like listening to the album, I haven't listened to this album in a while because I always go back to further. But when it came along, I wasn't. I sang along the whole song. I'm like, this is a good song. So yeah. I think it is a good song. It's just you know. If they had another rocky kind of song, another crossover song on the album that could have worked, that probably wouldn't have been played so much because people wanted Chemical Brothers, but there was only one song they could have put on Edge. Well, because they were just sort of doing their own thing. They weren't trying to fit into the rock mold. It just Mm -hmm. sort of crossed over and took advantage of that. They were still building their fan 
fan base and like the electronic music, which became yeah. a viable genre at this point. Yeah, I know. What you're saying is right, though. They're, the flow of this album is really great. So when you do come to a song like Let Forever Be, even though the vibe is, you know, a little bit different than some of the more electronic, dancey stuff, it still fits in. And you have it's, to come along. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if they're catering to the... I know they probably weren't, but maybe in some sense... They don't let they don't let you go on too long of with like the EDM stuff like the four on the floor before giving you some break where yeah. it, it, whether it's like a ballad I think there's only like two or three tracks in a row where you might have that before there's like a halftime feel or something else. Yeah, because a lot of times you'll uh, have like a song, uh, like you'll have a song like Orange Wedge between Out of Control and Let Forever Be, and it's almost like it's kind of filling in the gap between the change in musical style from going to the more aggressive to the more kind of hippie uh kind of more atmospheric dancey's fun vibe yeah of, uh, of uh, let forever be yeah i think you need a song like orange wedge it, uh, as a good change-up song because you'd be going from like out of control to let forever be and i don't know it it might be a little too jarring so i mean it's a good it's a good transition or change-up song yeah exactly yeah and and you just needed it like I was very happy to have that song come on, have like a hip hop kind of groove. Like I like the floor, the four on the floor stuff. Yeah, to I, a degree, I saying, you know. I was even saying like with Orange Wedge, if this was released today, I almost feel like I would have had a feature on it because nowadays, you know, they work with Q Tip and Chaos, and they'll throw a rapper on one of their one of the songs that have more of this sort of hip hop. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a good segue into, uh, is there an underrated track on this album or is there a, a song you want to call out? Um, Ryan? I would say that, um, okay. A couple things. The last track, uh, dream on is amazing. Yeah. And even the, 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 uh, secret track or whatever, like that part should have been part of this. Well, Okay. Nowadays, it probably would have been part of the song. There's no reason to put a, a, a gap there. But let's just let's consider that whole thing as one song. Yeah, it's I think that is an amazing work like, there. Yeah, it's considered like remix or it's considered a continuation of the same song. It isn't considered as a different song or anything. I don't know why they yeah, have a yeah. It's yeah, just the secret track thing. It's funny because I wrote I wrote the same thing for the underrated. I put Dream On. I, I, I think it's a great closer. It kind of changes the vibe. It feels very... Uh, like you just finished a live set, which this album pretty much functions like one of their, I don't know if you've ever watched any of their live sets, but it very much functions like this album. Songs do mm. other songs. They, you know, will slow stuff down, have big buildups, have the big kind of epic in the middle and just dream on kind of comes in nicely. It's more, it kind of reminded me of like Smashing Pumpkins vibes <laughs> almost. Yeah. How yeah. The arena rockness of it. Actually, I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, is this James Eha? Like, I'm James Eha. Yeah, <laughs> no, has that I kind of... agree. I can, I can see a lot of people skipping this track because it is last, it's long, and, you know, it isn't, it isn't as in the same sort of big beat sound as the rest of the album. You got that, you got that weird break in the middle. Yeah. The end. Yeah, but no, I, I think it's a great track. I think It depends that. where you're coming from. Like, if you're one of the rock guys like me, that's one of my favorites. It's it's like a song, and it's got all these different layers. And, and the same with the uh, the other sing song you track, uh, "Sleep for from Day." Right? That I mean, there's one. I think there's one yeah. other track with with yeah, vocals, yeah. but 
with the whole that thing. that one's one of my favorites. I think that's another underrated track. It's yeah, just nice to have a ballad, a female voice come in. It's just yeah. It kind of uh, gave me some Jesus and Mary Chain vibes with with the kind of noise rock, and it sounded like it should have been on the Lost in Translation soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, definitely that the, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but yeah, I know. But it sounds. But that song, like going forward after this era, you had the chill wave kind of come in ten years later, and it all sort of sounded similar to the mm-hmm. vibe of this, of this track. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely uh, chill. Asleep from the day. I looked this up. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned a soundtrack, but um, I, I thought of a song. It was on the Monster soundtrack, and the song's called "Crimson and Clover" by Tommy James and the Shondells, and it has like a similar kind of guitar riff. It's like a '60s psychedelic rock, but it's like a slow kind of buildup, and it reminded me of that song like so much so that I had to like, I'm like, what's that song from the Monster soundtrack? Um, so that's why I looked that up. Um, but I like, yeah, I like that it starts as like a slow jam. You got that little bit of a buildup and then it kind of goes back out to the, to the slow jam that it started on. And I also, Just, also for the underrated, I wanted to mention, like we talked about, um, earlier with, uh, orange wedge as being sort of like a connector song. I wanted to, I also wanted to mention uh, God glint for almost the same reason. Cause it kind of reintroduces like the disco sounds, to get you all yeah. ready for hey boy hey girl like it has like a cool build up <clears throat> you kind of have the hippie then it kind of i thought at first that sample like is that abba it kind of sounded like the gimme 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 sample that madonna used as well but i looked it up and it's not it's a uh, bernard Favre earth message <laughs> but yeah. uh, no that's, that's a good uh kind of appetizer leading leading you into hey boy hey girl you know what that baseline reminds me of now um or i associate it with Fade, Kanye West fade. Oh yeah, dum, dum, dum. it has that same sort of like offbeat thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like uh, it's got like that the the baseline behind it, and just like the build up with the drum machine. Because I think before you kind of had like, oh, it sounded more like drum loops, and then this kind of kicks off with the drum machine, and it just builds up and then takes off. Um, so yeah, you're right. It is, in my opinion, or I agree with what you're saying, Anise, that it is a nice track to go before "Hey Boy, Hey Girl." Yeah, because at that point. Like to get into the like the structure of the album, you have like the Sunshine Underground, which is their longest kind of psychedelic. It's almost like they sort of wrote it for a, to be played at festivals, and it's something they kind of lean into more. Like the, I found the Sunshine Underground sounds like something that'd be on further or on yeah. geography or something. But then yeah, then you go to Asleep, the one that Ryan mentioned, which is sticking with the psychedelic but a lot more chill, and then Gawklin builds it back up to Hey Boy Hey Girl. So the album just sort of it knows how to play with the the listener to make it sweet. It's such a sweet way to bring that back in, bring that beat back in too with Gott Glint. I don't, I don't know if you guys, you, you've probably been listening to that song longer than me. If you can remember the first time you heard it, because it starts on the end of one, it doesn't start on beat one with the baseline. So you like, if you don't know that ahead of time, you have no idea. It sounds like you start on one, but when the beat, when the drums come in, it's like your whole frame is shifted. I just love that little trick. It just immediately gets you back in. It's not like they just, they just started the beat going again. Okay, here we are. They, they made sure it was smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. One for- last thing before we move on from asleep from day, did you guys notice it's another case of the cave tambourine? No. It's another case of a tambourine in a this time a giant cave. Like I was just, I'm noticing this more and more. 
For our listeners, I promise next week I will get to the bottom of this and find out where the cave tambourine started because this is like through pop music for, I don't know, 30 years. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Ryan. <laughs> it's got, like it's got to be like, an answer. I like that you keep bringing it up, though. You mentioned it in there, and you first mentioned it in the No Doubt. Uh, yeah, I'll mention it every podcast. time I hear it. Um, for, for my underrated, I had Sunshine Underground um, just because it's um, this week when I was uh, I kind of listened to the albums in order. Um, so this week, when I uh, that song reminds me of Dig Your Own Hole a little bit. Like the last two tracks on it had, it feels like it could be a cousin of like Where Do I Begin and My Private Psychedelic Reel, which is how Dig Your Own Hole finished out. It's just longer. It kind of builds up. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. If if I think it serves kind of as two functions, where you you got like the the classic. Um, or you have like the house stuff, but then also it doesn't betray, like if you like Chemical Brothers older stuff, it doesn't betray like that audience. It kind of brings them on board with that song. It's just a good vibe song to work to. Yeah, yeah it's a great I, song. I find all those like longer, more psychedelia songs is like what they want to be doing. Cause it, it, it's been something that's been prevalent since the beginning and something they kind of lean into even more now. And it seems like whenever they get a chance, they that's what they do. <laughs> and someone, I believe a band took their name from that song. The Sunshine Underground. There's a band named The Sunshine Underground now. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that that sounded more familiar than just the song. Yeah. I'm not familiar with any of their songs, but they're a band that exists. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's well, your... One thing what... about that song I got to mention, though, because I was listening to it uh, just the other day, and you know there's like this really loud like filter sweep sample about like yeah, two thirds into the song. Like I come into the, I walk out of this room, go into the other room. I had it on pretty loud. My cat's just standing there with like hair all up his back. He's like freaked out. Like, I don't know my, what the hell happened. A lot of, a lot of the sounds on a lot of these songs, my cat was kind of freaking out or she, he put her head up and look around and everything. He was yeah. kind of going nuts for a lot of these noises. It's pretty yeah. Funny. It's album produced by dogs or something. <laughs> I, I i mean i i have noticed that though like this album or well all their albums kind of have like weird noises and like sometimes like high-pitched frequencies generally i listen to a lot of music on headphones um but if i listen to it at home like i'm sure my dog would probably be going nuts uh, yeah because even like when i was trying to you know say like parts of songs i liked i'm like what do i even call that like alien noises or <laughs> weird yeah. like, how do you even refer to it like i really like that alien noise sound in that song or <laughs> I know, it's funny. uh so what's i guess we can kick this off by asking what's your favorite track on this album me go for it whoever wants to go first yeah okay sure, I'll start. uh i have to go the, what i listen to the most and the, what i refer uh go back to the most is the first three tracks i just love how they all kind of go into each other and they, it ends with out of control i'd have to say out of control is probably my favorite because it sort of builds to that moment and i love that baseline and out of control but yeah those first three tracks music response i love it it's probably one of my favorite opening tracks you have uh it introduces you to like their big beat sound and the bass lines that you're going to hear all throughout all throughout the album yeah, under the influence. That's it. Just bleeds right nicely into under the influence, which I believe was one of the electronic battle weapons leading into the album. Yeah, it was. And yeah, this is where I put like love that high pitch sound in that song, like the alien noises. Like I don't know what that is, but, but uh, 
Yeah, and then yeah, then it, it crescendos finally to uh, out of control where it's like the most aggressive. I love that bass line. Bernard Summer's voice fits perfectly with with uh, with the Chemical Brothers on this one. I remember even reading uh, Peter Hook saying that he's jealous that he didn't write this bass line for for Bernard Summer to sing over. And you can actually find some cool live versions of that because they when New Order toured with Chemical Brothers, they would perform this live and it was cool to watch. But yeah, that's probably my favorite track is Out of Control, but it's that that three song run to open the album. Yeah, I I, I pretty much agree with you, Anise, on that three track run. Uh, the track I had was uh, Under the Influence, um, mostly because going into this album, I hadn't heard that track before. And then when I put it on, I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing song like the intensity it builds with the the constant drum loop with the bass pulsing behind it it's like you just have so much anxiety hearing that and then when it bleeds out into like out of control and you just follow that for seven minutes it's it's awesome um and then the, the other good thing about that three track run is like you get it just blows so well together so by the time you get to out of control at the end of that song you've already listened to like 18 minutes of the album yeah and i, I will say for under the influence when i would dj that was kind of the perfect track to play because Everyone, if the dance floor got full and you played it, nobody left the dance floor. Everyone was just sort of in the trance of just sort of dancing to under the influence. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. They done. I have a weird answer for this. Okay. I think the song that I like the most is the, the last track, like as a as a work. I don't know like how often, I don't think it's my most listened to, but I just like, appreciate it the most um and and probably to help ex explain this is like my favorite tracks are not the dance tracks <laughs> it's those are the ones i i you know 30 seconds in i'm like okay eventually something else is gonna happen that's just that's i would understand if i was at the club yeah uh, if i was dancing you know or if i was not actively listening to it you know it depends on what you're doing um so my favorite my favorite tracks are like dream on surrender uh asleep from day you know even let forever be i really like because it is a, it is a well-written song even if it's been played a million times yeah. but you guys both mentioned out of control and that's like one of my least favorite songs on the album <laughs> and the reason is is i just don't like the singing especially in the first verse like the verse singing like it's just, it's not like there's so many, so much of it's not, it's not in key. So, so do you, I don't know how order? I'm supposed to feel about it. Am I supposed to just feel weird and uncomfortable listening to it? Like what the hell? So do you, so do you hate new order? <laughs> no, I just, no, I get it. I just don't gravitate towards it. I just don't gravitate yeah, towards it. But so that, but that's the, I was going to say, that's the cool thing about the chemical brothers. Cause they're not just so, like, some people might just know them as like a like the you know the house they make like dance music or someone might know them as you know the song they make songs for the radio like the aggressive dance music or what you're pointing out all the sort of more experimental psychedelic stuff that they're doing on here that you're yeah more towards and it's something they do all the time it's not like it's they're always making house music and this was the only album like this every album i i feel like shows just all their different sides to them yeah, I mean, just to just to kind of contradict what Ryan was saying, I had friends growing up who like preferred the dance music or that house that kind of stuff. So when they heard like 
the album version of like hey boy hey girl they're kind of like disappointed that it's like building up the way it is and then the final minute where it's like a club beat that's the part they love so they would often try and find like an extended mix or a remix of it just so they can have that part of the song yeah i yeah for me i'm like i i love the longer version because i love all the build-ups i love all the drops i love just especially them they like to play with all like their samples and have different sounds come in and leave just kind of here and there and I don't know. I find that even their more club, more repetitive songs, there's always something interesting going on. And like a, like a six minute, seven minute song doesn't even feel six minutes, seven minutes because it took a minute and a half to build up and there's always something interesting going on. And then even that two minutes in the middle, it's, it's just like an amazing drop or whatever they're doing. But I always find that there's always something going on to keep me interested. So I don't, even when it's a dancey track, I don't get bored with it. Yeah, but I, I, but I understand if you're not in, like if you're just kind of sitting at home chill and you don't want to put on "Hey Boy, Hey Girl" while you're trying to take a nap or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it depends. I, I, it depends what you're doing. And I, well, let's, let's, I'm not really. That's why I'm curious because like I, I didn't have a, a dance music like uh, background. Like I didn't listen to it. But Gordon, you seem to be sinking into the dance music easier than me. Did you have a dance music ba- background? At all, growing up, was there a period where you were listening to dance music exclusively? Um, I would call it exclusively, but it was definitely something I always enjoyed listening to. Um, I guess a lot of the music I was hearing like around that time would have been like Energy 108 or like the popular dance stuff at that time. So like, yeah, Ace of Bass was obviously popular and like you can go on and on with with those kinds of uh, groups. Um, so I was always welcome, welcoming dance stuff um house music and that and that it's always good to me i mean i i'm i'm i don't really when i'm listening to music i don't dive into to the lyrics unless it's like a singer songwriter kind of thing so music where it's like just like beats and stuff like that i'm i'm on board for um so growing up um i i was on board for for having that kind of a mix um but i if i'm listening to this album i would i would think it's almost like a crime to not play hey boy hey girl while listening to this album Right. And, yeah. And it's a requirement, that. I think. Yeah, and for me too, like, like I like dance music. Like I, my background growing up, listened to dance music a lot. My brother's huge into it, but even for me, I, they're so much different than a lot of the dance acts just because there is so much going on. Like I, mm. I but just more of like, not that they're unique and there's no other groups that are making music like this. I, I think it just functions more for the fact that some like Ryan, you're saying you don't like the dance tracks, but you still find songs you like on here that they are just doing so much different stuff. They aren't just very one, very one-sided. And even growing up, the dance music I liked was always sort of like that. Cause even like Daft Punk coming out was all sort of, it seemed very punk, like a punk way of doing dance music. People like Chemical Brothers and even Fat Boy Slim and Armin Van Helden before that. And I was more gravitated to those kind of, the choppier and the more aggressive and the more alien noise type stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now here's an interesting question. Like on further, I dig the dance tracks more. Like I don't, I, I don't skip as much. So is that because at that point they had a, like ba- balance these elements a little bit more as opposed to separating them in different songs? Well, at the beginning they were very like, it, it was called Big Beat. So there was a lot of bands coming out of England, like um, Chemical Brothers, and there was like Line Rock and the Propeller Heads. They were making mm-hmm. this like break beat, big beat, they were calling it music. Fatboy Slim, another one. Whereas, you know, that sort of like the 
breakdance sort of drums in the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, with this album, they seem to have been, it's still a very much big beat sound through the whole thing, but they were kind of getting away from it at this point because it was sort of, it was a very big in the late 90s. You know what I mean? So Definitely. at this point it was kind of dying out because you were even hearing it in in like pop music. You would hear kind of break beats and pop songs and stuff too in the late 90s, early 2000s. So yeah, I mean, Surrender. And then after Surrender would come with us, they sort of lean into the kind of, hey boy hey girl sort of more dancey electronic stuff but yeah later on you kind of lose the big beat and their music it's still sort of there especially in no geography it sort of makes a comeback but yeah for further and um what is it called the echoes enter the echoes what was it called um born in the echoes on on those two albums i feel like they lose the big beat break beat kind of sound it kind of comes back around on no geography, but I, but yeah, it, it, it's more sort of electron. I don't know how to even explain it. Yeah, no, I mean, just to add on to that. Um, I think like on, on the album before that, dig your own hole, like uh, it doesn't matter. Track six is kind of like a good example of like their breakbeat and, and how they used it. I think you, the best example I think uh, of a breakbeat on this one would probably just be like under the influence because everything else is more, it's, it's a lot more layered and stuff like that. I don't think there's any like real breaks on this album. Yeah, not as much as the other. Yeah, not as, yeah, as, the, as the first two, I guess. Um, so just to throw in a couple of other things. This term breakbeat is uh, confusing me. Big beat? Big beat, breakbeat, big beat. Well, a breakbeat like, is, is like a. It's it's like the stuff that Fatboy Slim, Dallas, yeah. and they were all doing that breakbeat. It's a little is like a little busier, often not straight Let's up. Like it's often not beat. straight up four on the floor, right? Uh, well, I think like, I think the whole thing is I kind of read up on it a little bit this week. Um, I think the whole thing is just like when the music kind of stops and you just let like kind of like a drum solo go, and then they would loop that so that way break dancers can do it. So it'd just be like. Yeah using the best part or the loop of, of like a guitar fill or whatever, or no, sorry, of a, of a drum beat or a drum fill. Like the classic, dun, dun, dish, dun, 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 dish. like that's your classic break. Yeah. Beat. That's what I was thinking of. Right. Yeah. That's your break beat. And you can hear those elements. Yeah. In like fat boy slim. And, and like, that's, so that's how, that's how house music was born by these DJs were sampling uh, hip hop songs. So they were sampling break drummers. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the hip-hop beats were all coming from the old funk and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, but then this was sort of like the big beat, so they were taking those and kind of, I don't know, just making it these big bass sounds. And yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. If you go back, listen to like Propeller Heads, Lion Rock, uh, early Fatboy Slim, even like Daft Punk stuff, you start, you, you'll hear it. You're like, okay, they're all sort of, it's almost like they're all sampling the same songs. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. There's not really much opportunity for breakdancing on this album. No, because at this point, they were sort of moving away from it. I think like, there is like one like, drum break or something, but I like, can't. Think of like block rock and beats. That's like a, yeah. Yeah, so for the uh, um, Out of Control, I just remember uh, the music video. I didn't even realize that was Rosario Dawson in it. Rosario <laughs> yeah. Dawson. Yeah, she's uh, she's the one that's like, do you remember that video, Ryan, where it's like it's like riots, uh, looks like it's in Mexico, um, yeah. and then it turns out it's actually like a soda commercial, but then it <laughs> it's actually in a riot that you're watching the soda commercial, so <laughs> it, it's like eating itself, I guess, or gross. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I also remember uh, a, a good, I don't know if, it, I guess it's probably a needle drop. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I remember it being in the beach when they have to go back to the mainland to get supplies. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, uh, but it, it does a good job at making the mainland seem like it's infected and dirty and it's not paradise. And they're just running around pretty much to this song, trying to get like water and whatever supplies they need, medicine. Yeah, I remember watching that movie, but I don't really remember much from it. I remember the scene where it's like a video game. <laughs> I don't remember much else. Yeah, I mean the movie's you know, kind of the movie's kind of it's not great. It's a very so-so movie, but the soundtrack's pretty good on it. I, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember they sort of uh it's almost like a remake of Apocalypse Now. They they stole a lot from Apocalypse Now, I remember correct if I remember correctly. But, yeah, I would say yeah, there's a lot of references uh, yeah. to it. Um Everybody calls it the, uh, what was it, like the mist, Leonardo DiCaprio's mist, because he was like pretty peak. hot at that point. Yeah, mm. at his peak. Um, so I guess the next question we can ask is, uh, is there a song that you guys skip? I know it's 11 tracks and we're talking about how great this album flows, um, but if there was one track that you had to pick, is there I'll, what would it be? I'll, I'll jump in. I'll say this is a no skip for me for just how the album flows. It, it is a shorter album. And for me, the times where I generally throw it on, other than being like, obviously, if it's a more of a party atmosphere, I'm going to throw on certain tracks like Under the Influence or or Hey Boy, Hey Girl. But generally, if I'm listening to the album, it's when I'm at the gym, it's when I'm driving, it's when I'm in a mood where I'm just going to throw it on, not have to think too much about it, hit play, and it kind of takes me on a journey. Like, for, I was even saying to my brother this week, this is probably like one of my top five albums for when I'm doing cardio, because it's sort of like the perfect... Um, throw the cd on and it has like nice builds and longer tracks and stuff that are, would help you when you're trying to you know not focus on how much your body's in pain <laughs> which is funny because they went on to uh to do a song for the olympics that was played during the velodrome during the indoor indoor biking so yeah no for me it's a no skip no skip album no skipper yeah no Never. i mean there's not not even a part of a song no, I, I have to say, like, because since I enjoy, like, the first three songs are, like, I, my three favorite, once those are played, I'm pretty much, like, locked in. It's going to just play through. Because at that point, you're 20 minutes in, you're halfway, you're almost halfway through the album. So then you can just settle in and let it play out. It's a good point. It's a good point. But, you know, for me, once I get to, like, Orange Wedge, I'm like, okay, cool. I got, like, a break from the, the EDM stuff. And then it's like, okay, let forever be. Okay, it's a pop song. I know this. And then we have the cool psychedelic sunshine underground. And then we have another nice song where, you know, this is singing ballad, Asleep from Day. And then Go Glint comes in. At that point, I, I'm kind of like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> so oh. I, I like I like the intro to it. I'm like, okay. I so I give it a few like I don't know thirty seconds or something, and then I'll be like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. So I, if I skip that, but then the next track's a hit, so it's like maybe I'll settle there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's just I was in a zone. Sometimes I don't. There's a, there's good things and bad things about having an album like this. You got to be careful. Yeah, but you bump I, someone right out of it. For me, if I'm throwing on the Chemical Brothers, I know what I'm getting into. It isn't like a surprise, especially when it's an album you're revisiting you know like if i'm in a mood where i want to listen to stuff like more akin to like sunshine underground asleep from a day but still have that electronic vibe i'll throw on an early m83 album <laughs> that's interesting yeah yeah 
Yeah, I was thinking like Sunshine Underground has a lot of those M83 vibes and that's what I'll go to as well. Yeah. But, now, but, but for the dance tracks, I like further more, I think probably because it, it, they just have a little bit more of this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more of that flowy psychedelic stuff spread in throughout the dance tracks. So was God Glint the only one you uh, skipped? Because you said no. No. Okay. So, uh, like, I might skip under the influence. Yeah. I might. I might. I might. Um, I mean, I, based on everything that you cool, described, that cool sample rhythm, but it's like you know, it's like constantly that thing. It's like that's cool. That's a cool thing, and I get it if I'm dancing. But if I'm not doing something else, like playing video games or cleaning the house or doing something. You know, I don't know. I'm just not. It's not like an active listening sort of thing. I, it, I don't know. How do you guys? Do you guys actively listen to the dance music? Like, don't you have to be doing something else? Uh, well, it it depends what mood I'm in. Sometimes if it's like a Saturday and like and like, what do you mean by actively listening? Because if I'm like, you know, just cleaning the house or something, it's not like I'm focusing on the cleaning. I'm trying to actively clean while I'm focusing on the music. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's true. I'm trying to do the opposite. To I'm not trying to clean. focus on the cleaning while ignoring the music. Right. <laughs> okay, what about like this? Would you ever sit with headphones? Like sometimes I'll I'll just sit with headphones and, and put on a song that I really like or some some album I really like. Yeah, because like like as much as I, I do it as much as I would do with like putting on tool and laying back in bed and listening to a tool song as I would putting on a chemical brothers song and listening, because to me there's no sort of difference in the the energy that's required like some of those tool songs that have the huge builds and the huge rock out moments yeah mm-hmm. probably best suited for being in a mosh pit or doing something active but the amount of if that was the case and i would never listen to energetic music and for me dance music has just always been there for me like it's it and electronic music in general and and there's enough on this album where it isn't like yeah, sure. Maybe if I'm studying, if I really want to get jacked up at the beginning, I can put this album on and you're, it gets you all jacked up at the beginning. And then by the time you're settled in, it's more, more vibey, but I don't know. Everyone's sort of different, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based on yeah, what you're yeah. describing, Ryan, like I can, based on everything that you kind of said about what elements that you like from this album, I can understand why you would say like under the influence is probably the track. It's, it's probably the most repetitive. Yeah. Well, it's got that like hook is really cool. That like uh, that like I don't know how to describe it. Electron, you know, like, the alien sound. I was really under cool. the influence, like where it all like kind of slows down. I just hear the drums. And I just want to bob my head. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's cool moments to it, but like a, a, another type of song where I might just listen to it and not be cleaning the house or something. There's there's more maybe to look forward to or more things happening where I could follow a story with lyrics or I could follow, you know, a guitar solo or some other shit. This seems like I got to be moving and doing stuff for you. That, that's that's where it lands for me. That's that's when I use these songs. It's, it's, it's like it's a, a balance, right? Because I, I understand what you're saying. For me, I have, I have more of a problem with the uh, slower atmospheric music like. Whereas when I was younger, I would spend hours and hours and so much of my time listening to like Cigarose or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays I have trouble listening to Cigarose because it's so chill. Whereas me, I would rather, if I'm going to listen to something that's kind of more instrumental and atmospheric, I want it to be more upbeat to keep my attention because 
not that I'm getting bored by the cigarettes. It just kind of creates too chill of a vibe. Right. Chemical Brothers more on my pace or something that's like, if it's rocky, it's something like Mogwai that has kind of bigger, bigger, big moments. But it's not that I'm Mm -hmm. opposed to the other stuff because I still enjoy the more chill bands. But for me, I'm just more drawn to the more energy of that band group like Chemical Brothers would provide. Yeah, it would be a hard album to maybe put on at a party, as good as it is. You know, yeah. there's this, there's spots where it drops right down, and that's yeah. not really what you want usually at a party. Yeah, but but what I was saying is, uh, put on like I said it to you guys earlier this week, like just put on their uh, their um, their set at Woodstock from mm. this because it's from this era like after this album came out so you pretty much get those first three albums played in in live form and it's almost like you kind of get it i remember when woodstock 99 first happened and me and my brother we had pay-per-view we we're recording all the live performances looking forward to you know different people and stuff and i remember my parents had these friends come over and the guy was a musician producer uh like his he has like a recording studio and i remember him being like chemical brothers when they were on he's like i love these guys they're just behind computers and they're pressing buttons <laughs> he's like you know what they're, he's like they're just turning up and down volume knobs they're not doing he's like but they're like such good producers and he's like going off and i'm like wow this like at the time i was a teen like not even a teenager yet and i'm just like man this like 45 year old guys going off on the calendar brothers <laughs> so i don't know it's just it's it's different people i guess gravitate to different things when it comes to music but i just like the more energy upbeat Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do with your history of listening, like where, yeah. where you were coming from. I just lacked that dance foundation. And I was also, you know, studying drums. And let's just face it, it's not the most interesting drum beat to play. So it's not something that I would gravitate towards. Sorry, but that point that I was going back that I was trying to make, I kind of got lost there. But uh, yeah, when you watch the Woodstock performance and you see like the performance of these songs and stuff and how the like it's done for a live audience, it kind of the songs click more kind of like what we were talking about with muse on the mm-hmm. later albums. We wouldn't find some songs we wouldn't really gravitate towards, but then you see it live and you're like, Holy shit, I love this song. I feel like some, some of their music kind of falls into that too, where when you see their live performance and like the visuals that go along with it and the, the vibe of their live show, it's probably like the number one band I've never actually seen live that I wish I have because I've seen mm-hmm. many live videos of them and their live show just looks like a journey pretty much like, and I think this album kind of is, has that same sort of sound where it was almost built to be, as like a live performance. It was like a, like a set. And yeah, I, I feel like it functions like that. And it works for me. Like I love the high energy songs. I love the chill out. I love the dreamy parts. I love how it, like it ends with like the, it goes back up to Hey boy, Hey girl. And then comes right back down to kind of end with the nice, chill vibe or it's almost like everyone's kind of walking to their cars as the last song is playing on that's why i love that song so much yeah. it's just an ending that's why I, yeah. I really wish that gap wasn't there because it when when it comes in light at the end again it's just this feels like the end it's like ah yeah like a story was told here yeah, yeah it's funny that you mentioned the uh them touring it seems like they never come to toronto like the closest they've come i think they came to montreal and we couldn't get tickets for whatever reason or we couldn't make it because the timing and i think they do new york every once in a while like maybe buffalo and stuff but it's like they just totally miss toronto and i mean if they when they come to toronto if they ever do i'm willing to spend like 
whatever it takes to go. I know they're, they're probably like, there's very few bands that I really want to see live and they're probably at the top of the artists I haven't seen live that I want to see live. So yeah, if they come, I'm for sure going, like I've talked with my brother about going down to the U S to go see them, but who knows now? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we just need to like save up and we'll just go to like England and see them there. Yeah, go to like Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh yeah. So I guess for the track I skip, I mean, it's tough because uh, if I'm, if I want, if I were to play chemical brothers at a party, I just play like a playlist or something. Um, if I, if I want to listen to this album, I'm going to sit down and listen to this album. Um, so, I mean, if I had to pick a track, I would probably pick uh, orange wedge just because I mean, it's the shortest song and I know how the album flows. So, I mean, if it's going to, I know it's going to go from like a dance beat, those first three songs to um, let forever be, which is a rock song to me, it won't bother me as much because it's not like as jarring. Like I, I don't necessarily need that transition song. Um, so that's why I said that song, if I had to pick one, but I mean, I pretty much agree with you, Anise. It's like a no skip. It flows well. It's, it's a no skip album, really. If, if you're going to sit down for the album. Yeah. Cause especially for them, I know for me, since I, like I have been a fan for a long time that if I do want a certain vibe from them, yeah, I'll just jump to a playlist or just jump around album to album and be like, okay, I'm going to play all the upbeat songs. But if I'm going to put on Surrender, I'm going to listen to Surrender. I'm not going to jump around at that point. What's the point? I might as well just put a playlist on. Mm -hmm. Right. And the other good thing about this this band is, it, or duo, I guess, or whatever, but um, they're probably one of my favorite artists to just work to. Like the music, the lyrics, there's, you're not looking for those verses, like something deep or anything like that. It's just, and it's not too distracting, but it's it's enough to push the energy. So like these, there's like two or three, well, at least three uh, Chemical Brother albums that I sit through it all, all work and I will, I will mention because you said they have no lyrics and no real message I will say I didn't know this until today but their newest album No Geography is a concept album about Brexit oh really yeah I, yeah, I didn't know that yeah I didn't know that until today my brother told me because like <laughs> like Ma M-A-H is mad as hell and like they have you know this album's name is No Geography so I guess it's all like about Brexit interesting yeah. Um, I did read nice. though that those guys are, are, they're like really smart. Like they met in, um, the university of Manchester for history and they're both like, kind of like tops of their class or like, like had very good grades. Um, so that's where they met. So, I mean, that hearing you say that they definitely have, they know the historical context and then yeah. hearing a concept done by them in that regard. Would because it's weird to think really interesting. like, like they've, there's, they've just been such a constant and especially in the UK with just making music, their output is just insane for how long they've been out. They're always putting out music that it seems like, I know me and Gordon got into this conversation a little while ago of like, is the, are the Chemical Brothers famous? Like, are they famous people? Like, like how big are they? But I guess in the UK, they have their, they're, they're somewhat important. They're, they have the museum exhibits named after them. They made a song for the, you know, the, the Olympics that were in London. So, yeah. So they're, they, I guess they're, they're at the point now where they will make, you know, statements about Brexit. <laughs> It's probably been a while since they had a like hit in the U.S. When was the uh, well, last camera? Go, Go is really big with yeah. Go is big. That's like 2016. Yeah. Okay. 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 They had so what about before that? Uh, well, it seems like every album they release, there's at least like one song that gets radio play, at least in North America, with us. Yeah, so I guess before that, just kind of looking at their big singles, before that would have been like further and like I guess escape exit 
or sorry, Escape Velocity. You got Swoon on there. Um, mm-hmm. Those ones have another world. Was, were kind of I remember hearing them on commercials. I think I saw yeah, because, another world on uh, the Victoria's Secret commercial. Because even you know, with, their, though, with their last album, they did the whole uh, slowly release singles thing. So when they did release like Free Yourself, Ma, and Gotta Keep On, they were getting like, especially Free Yourself and Gotta Keep On were getting radio play. Even and they did have they did have a promo single uh, chemical like spelt out that yeah didn't appear on any albums yeah so yeah you know like maybe the if they had another rock crossover song they'd be a lot more famous <laughs> no, I think they're not worried about fame at this point <laughs> I know I'm not I'm not, but, I'm not saying that that's but, what they're but, after but, but no no but what I'm saying is when, every time they do release an album their singles they usually do like chart like they may not go number mm-hmm. one but they'll still chart like in the U S and. I didn't really get when I was looking on Wikipedia. It wasn't really showing Canada numbers, so I couldn't really get a a good understanding of how well they do here. But it seems like their songs are everywhere. When you when you're watching a hockey game, they always play uh, uh, "Galvanize." You always hear it in the arena. Maybe that's why they don't come to Toronto because they don't have great numbers here. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess for the artwork on this album. Uh, basically, it was provided by uh, Kate Gibb, who they worked with on a bunch. There's a few albums in a row that kind of look similar. Um, so basically, she's a, a London-based artist that does this, the silkscreen stuff. Um, it's kind of like what uh, was his name? Andy Warhol, like that kind of art. Um, so basically, the photo that's used in it is uh, Jesus Amongst the Fans, which was by Richard Young. And it's basically a guy that's like dancing going crazy at like a, a festival that the picture was taken originally in, in 1976 and so this guy would just go nuts while even it's like everybody else just sitting down chill doing their own thing this guy would just be standing up dancing going ballistic and uh so that's the picture they used and it reminded of um ed simmons of a show that they did in the midwest where like they were playing a slower stuff everybody was sitting down at a festival and one guy was just going nuts so like yeah that makes sense for the album cover um so yeah kate's uh kate Gibbs. she did a bunch of other stuff like come with us um uh the brotherhood album uh, i think it was like a, a stretch of like three or four albums after this that she did the cover art for. I've, I've always been a fan of their artwork i remember that was one of the first things that even when we bought like the first album, Exit Planet Dust. I love like the whole hippie still photography, but like those pictures from Woodstock. And then Dig Your Own Hole had like, again, they had like on their single, they had like a picture of a bomb on one. And I don't know, they always kind of had cool images to go along with their releases. And every album would seem like sort of uniform to one style, which I always liked. Yeah. Um, so how often is this album in your rotation? I'll let Ryan answer this one first. Well, you know, it's not the whole album, but uh, I just kind of come back to it for if you. It's usually when I'm listening to further. <laughs> I keep talking about further. It's because it's your fault, Gordon. Uh, it's a great album, but yeah, <laughs> album. when I'm listening to that, I'll I'll usually go and like pick out a few ones from Surrender that I like. It's very not the same experience for you guys. You're like, no, skip, can't. When you're sitting down listening to this album, you're sitting. No, I I'm, I just like take the ones I like. So, you know, I don't know, like every couple months, probably a song or something. What are, what are some examples yeah. of what are some examples of songs that you would take, like say you're listening to further and then you want to throw a couple on from, from this album? Like what are a few? I would go, I... I really like uh, the girl's voice. It, you know, what the heck is it called? Sleep whatever. Sleep for day. From day. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and that kind of reminds me of some stuff on further. So, like, I'll, I'll that's one that I'll bridge over to. 
Um, I'll say that's Hope uh, Madoval from Maisie Star on the song. Ah, good to know. Yeah. What else would I go over for? That's just interesting because I'm, I'm actually seeing... Orange Wedge is one of the ones. It's like it's weird that you mentioned that as a cut for you. <laughs> that's one of the ones I'll go over for for the, for this album. It's funny because so, it seems like. like Ryan is more so like uh, just into the more experimental stuff that they do as opposed to like what they're known for and what most of their fans go to them for. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, what kind of vibe is Ryan trying to create here? <laughs> well, it, I think it comes down to like that, that whole active listening versus passive listening thing. If a song has, I'll gravitate, gravitate towards stuff where I can actively listen to it, where there's like, you know, like lots of information in the music, stuff's happening, moving, there's, there's section changes, dynamic shifts. Not to say that doesn't happen in the more club tunes, but the wait is longer and the build is a lot longer. So yeah, see, that's, may... the, whole, that's the whole thing with the, like house dance music. It's all about like the patience. And yes. not, like it's even that um, SNL skit where it's like waiting for the drop. And then, like, mm-hmm. like a four-minute video, and the guy is about to hit the button for the drop, and he's not hitting the button for the drop. But that's what it's all about. <laughs> Absolutely. And when you're when you're at a rave, and everybody's like going, and everybody's feeling that, and when it finally drops, yeah, holy shit. But when I'm sitting, like, listening to headphones and like reading or something, it was like, well, actually, if I was reading, that'd be okay because I'd have something to read. But if I was actively listening to it, I'd be like, it's coming. It's coming. You I know feel like mean? you just don't have the right moments. Like for me, like uh, to jump on that question, I, I listen, this is probably one of my top like three albums I throw on when I'm doing like cardio. It's probably like this along with um, Daft Punk's Alive and and uh, something by The Prodigy. Because like those, like this is like perfect for, you know, I want to get an hour of cardio in. I can just throw this on and I can just run for an hour, bike for an hour, jump on the elliptical for an hour and it kind of takes you through all the emotions. You can take breaks when the album slows down and you get the extra energy when the album builds up. So it's perfect That's for true. that. In, in, in my old age, it's good for that when I'm not going to the dance clubs as much anymore. <laughs> but even mm. just the drive, like this is a good one if um, you're on like a long drive and you kind of need something that's going to, you know, that's constantly changing, constantly doing something different, but still up-tempo so you don't fall asleep. Because I remember when I was driving up to uh, Sudbury, I listened to this album just because I knew there was going to be, and I downloaded, that was, I think when No Geography came out too. So I had, I downloaded a bunch of Chemical Brothers when I drove just because it was perfect music for a long drive. Yeah, it does sound like it, because of the flow of it. Yeah, if you're yeah. driving or doing something where you have a whole hour, yeah, it does take you through a nice little trip. Yeah. But I'd be afraid of falling asleep at the end there. <laughs> No, it's funny because I think um, I, I own this CD, but I couldn't find it. So I think it's still in my car. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Maybe it is a good it. driving album. Or maybe, yeah, Ryan has it. I, I'm not sure where it is. Yeah, right I gotta now. go through my boxes. I have like every CD we've been talking about, but I just have to go through my boxes in the basement. I have no use for CDs anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for, for me, um, I would say there, there's three albums by the Chemical Brothers that I constantly have on rotation just that I like to work to. Um, there would be this one, uh, Dig Your Own Hole, in no, in no real order, and Further. Um, those are the three that I, I can just put on. The flow is like perfect for working. Um, so those are I revisit those constantly. Nice. <clears throat> Um, so I guess this gets us to our, our uh, big question. Cause I mean, this, this band has, or this duo has a lot of albums. Uh, how do you rank the chemical brothers? 
Um, this is the big question. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this just, is Anise's big question. This is Anise's big question. We'll let Ryan answer it first because I, I, you only like two albums. So. I'll have the easy. Yeah, I'll have the easy answer. Um, you know, like I like further more than this, but I do think surrender is more important. So. Yeah, but just go with your personal. What's your personal? My gut, it would be it would be further and then surrender because I, I, this is always a compliment to me listening to further. Yeah. Have you never really dove deep into the rest of their work or just mainly those two albums? Yeah, no, these are the two Gordon gave me. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I always laugh when I'm somebody's source for music. It feels yeah. weird. <laughs> um, all right. So I don't, do you want me to go in East or do you want to go? Uh, I can go. It doesn't really matter. Hey, go for uh, it. So yeah, so I, I wanted to, because I know some weeks I, I don't go back and listen to everything, but I'm like, fuck, I want to go back and listen to like everything because it's been a while since I listened to some of this stuff or like some of these albums just because I've been listening to them so long. It's just been like, you listen to it when it comes out and then when the next album comes out, you might revisit it or revisit certain tracks or whatever. So I went through and I had to go with my number one. I had to go with Surrender, this one, just because this was... This was like one of the first times I remember anticipating anticipating an album and not being disappointed. Because even in my younger age, even in my younger age, I was kind of uh, pretentious when, when it came to some musical tastes. Not that I'm not pretentious anymore, but but uh, I remember when like you know bands back then like Foo Fighters and Silverchair. I initially hated all like their second and third albums. I'm like, oh, this all sucks. But when Surrender came out, I remember just really liking it. So um, Surrender is number one. I had to go dig your own hole, number two, because that's where it all started, um, the obsession. Then further, no geography, exit planet dust, born in the echoes, come with us, push the button, and at the very end, borderline unlistenable, we are the night. Uh, I mean, I, I think I probably have a similar ranking to what you have. I put Dig Your Own Hole first. I think Surrender and Dig Your Own Hole are almost like interchangeable. Like it's almost, it's really hard. You could, I, I could like flip a coin on which one I, I listen to more. Um, they're pretty much the same to me. Um, so I, I, I did put Dig Your Own Hole as first, Surrender second, and then further, um, as mentioned before, those are my, my favorite three. Um, and then the fourth one, uh, I put Exit Planet Dust. It has kind of like those, well, it's a great first album, has some classic tracks on there. Um, and then I like Push push the Button. Uh, that was the 2005 release. Um, there's some some hidden gems on there, like Hold Tight London, things like that. Um, and then Come With Us, uh, just because I love Star Guitar. And uh, and there's some other good songs, Galvanizes on there as well. Um, then I had No Geography, which was their newest one. I thought it was a pretty solid album. It gave you a good mix of kind of what's popular today and some classic kind of uh, Chemical Brothers stuff on there. Um, then I had Born in Echoes. And I finished out with uh, "We Are the Night." Um, Do it again. It's a great song, but yeah, the rest of that album, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I don't revisit it very often. It's probably going to be my favorite album. No, it's not. <laughs> no, because no. it got. It, it was weird because, like, when you look at their, um, just how it went with them, like "Exit Planet Dust" and "Dig Your Own Hole," they kind of had the same vibe, and then you get "Surrender," which kind of changes it up come with us sticks with that but then when push the button and we are the night came out it seemed like they almost got too big it's almost like they were working with too many they're working with people making songs Mm. or it's almost like they were trying to make songs that still sounded like them and i don't know just it's kind of the fame spoiled it 
And then it's like they, with further, it's like they just restarted over. They're like, okay, let's like, they released the greatest hits, they did all this stuff, and then they released further and then born in the echoes and i i think no geography is even great i, I have a feeling over time no, no geography might even move up in my rankings which is crazy to say for a band that's like i don't know like how long has it been now like 25 years in or whatever they are it's crazy yeah i mean to i wasn't sure if like i didn't no geography i like a lot but i'm not sh- i was i wasn't sure where to put it on the list due to like maybe like a recency bias um, so that's why I was looking kind of like historically over the songs like that each album produced. Um, yeah, No Geography is good. And then uh, I think the two albums that you mentioned, like in the mid 2000s, they kind of remind me of like um, kind of a weird reference, but kind of like Arcade Fire's like everything now where you're like, maybe they're spreading a little too thin on this one. Yeah. But then but then you get further where it's like um, like Radiohead's um in rainbows where it's kind of like not that they radiohead needed a reset but it was like a back to basics like let's just give you like a classic radiohead album, a classic chemical brothers album mm. so for a guy like me who you know i'm into the, maybe the weirder stuff or the less dancey stuff what is was would further be the other album to get into or what other album might be the one that well, bridges me the most well, if you're already into further, I'd say go Born in the Echoes and No Geography because it's almost like the newer reset. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like when you like, it, were you big into the Dig Your Own Hole stuff, like setting some block rock and beats and that stuff? I do like, yeah, I do like that stuff. The more like break. Then you can jump back to Exit Planet Dust because you'll just get more of that. And then there's even if you go around that era, there's so many singles with B sides that. I, I believe there's a B-sides like collection even on on Amazon mm. on um, Spotify. So yeah, they have like a lot. So even if you enjoy further, you can probably find stuff from further era that was B-sides and and just other releases from that time. Like they just they just have a lot of stuff. They're almost like the Smashing Pumpkins when it comes to B-sides, EPs, and yeah, recordings. That could be overwhelming even, though. Like we didn't even include in our list that they did the uh, the Hannah soundtrack which actually yeah. has some really good songs on there as well. Like that is, what is it called? Escape three or whatever it's called. Like they have good music just everywhere. And like and, the, Velo, the Velodrome, the chemical single, like they, they had the song with Wayne Cohen on the greatest hits. Like they just have some, they churn out music like crazy. And I'm the other thing is concept oh, album. So that's, I think where I'll dive in next anyway. Sorry, Gordon. Yeah, no, the other thing is too, with further, I don't think, if you if you just like rip the version I had, I just had like the standard CD version. So there's a another track that's included on bonus versions called "Don't Think." That was included. Um, it was on the uh, Black Swan soundtrack, but that's a solid kind of like. I don't know if you'd like it because it seems like more like a dance song, or it's just like it's kind of repetitive, like the loops and, and the house music. Um, but that's a solid track. And then I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you had to go back, or if you never saw or listened to "Dig Your Own Hole," I would give that a listen to from beginning to end. Okay, so so. Dig, dig your own hole maybe just because it's more important to this band or is a better album as a whole, but you know, not necessarily catered towards my taste, but a lot of the sounds like a lot of their, the stuff that they were doing earlier didn't make it onto further or this album. So there's a whole element I'm missing. Uh, well, what do you mean? Like from the early stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like more like the breakbeat hip hop sounding stuff. That 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 side of it, I have. Yeah, yeah. You kind of lose it a bit, and and when, once you get the surrender, like it's pretty much gone. So yeah, if you want to, if you like that stuff, like th- that's the thing because they their music has evolved so much, 
and kind of in like kind of influenced so much of like electronic music going forward that I'm sure if you went back to any album, you'll find stuff you like, stuff you don't like, stuff you find interesting. You know, it, it, yeah. it, they're just so they're so innovative when it comes to this, which is good. Which yeah. is just like the pumpkins that you're, you're saying. Like, there's there should be a bunch of different stuff that yeah. way they can. Oh, you know, people will have their favorites. We should have different favorites. We shouldn't all like the one hit single that yeah. forever be. Yeah, that's why I found with like push the button and we are the night. They kind of were slowly going into a box. That's what I almost felt like that they weren't really mm. experimenting as much because not like there was bad songs. Because even like with come with us, like come with us is a good album, but I only think there's really two or three songs on there that actually do anything different. It just seems more like hey boy, hey girl was big. Let's try to see if we can do that again. Mm. I don't think that's what they were trying to do, but they were kind of leaning more into like the dancey sort of, they were getting different sort of sounds and stuff for more dance type music. And then push the button. We are the night was, I don't know. It just seemed like they sort of lost it. But then further where you jumped in is, is kind of like a return to form for them and was great album. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually surprised it made the top three list with you guys both of you guys because i figured oh it's a later album it's probably like you know five or six or whatever and like it's weird because like this is a band that if there wasn't any sort of nostalgia attached to any of the early stuff i wonder what my ranking would be like because i think it would be a lot different without any sort of like societal and (laughs) societal interaction because they're all great. They're all great for different reasons. And they're a band that almost has gotten better, like over time. So like ranking something like further or no geography, number one, it isn't out of the question because they are such good albums. Just right. that, And especially with no geography, I thought they did it right with releasing because they were releasing singles a year ahead of time. So by the time the album came out, I was already listening to like Ma and Gotta Keep On. They were already on my playlist. So I'd already listened to them a hundred times. So when the album came on and I was first listening to the album, I was already looking forward to songs because I already loved tracks on the album. You know what I mean? Like it's it was done right. So they're always sort of they always have something new to listen to. And I guess to kind of add on to that, um, whenever I hear there's like a new Chemical Brothers album, it I'm like excited to listen to it. Like I'm ready to go on that journey with them. I, I, cause generally don't, they don't really have any misses and it's just good. I know it's going to be a fun journey one way or another. If they lean into the rock side into it of it, or if they lean into the hip hop or, or just straight up house, I'm on board for all of it. So I'm, I'm never afraid to put on a brand new, uh, chemical brothers album. Mm-hmm. Except for that one that you guys hate. We own the night or whatever. We are the night. No, they're still we good. Are there's good tracks and moments on it. It just, it, it, give it a listen and you'll know what we mean. It just seems empty. It just seems like it's missing something. So it's not like they went in a stylistic direction that didn't work. It's just. Yeah. Cause uh, like, let me just look at the track listing here. So I don't start listing off wrong. But yeah, like saturates really good, but then like saturates a really good song, but then you'll have a song like the salmon dance, which is probably the worst Chemical Brothers song I've ever heard. Like, it's very cringy that they even wrote a song like this. But then, like, you know, Sounds like it might be a joke. But, like, Harpoons is good. Like, there's good songs on it. So it's not like I hate the album. It's just the the standard that they kind of created themselves, Mm. it didn't meet it. And especially coming off a weaker album, in my opinion, leading into this one, it was sort of like, oh no, is this like the trajectory we're going on right now? Because did you they, think it was the end? 
<laughs> there's that's the thing because i know it's been like a running thing on this show when we talk about an older band how the later the later years they, these bands and artists sort of fall off or we stop sort of caring because they don't change enough for us or maybe they change in a direction we don't like this was a band that was sort of they were on the brink of being one of those like oh no here we go again and then they sort of like took a moment took a break released the greatest hits and then came back and came back stronger than ever where you yeah. can arguably the stuff they're releasing now is just as good if not better than the stuff they're releasing 25 years ago which is crazy to say you can't say that for a lot of bands a lot of no groups. yeah that is a tough achievement for sure yeah i mean i mean you can think of like other groups from this era too that have kind of gone quiet um i mean they have various reasons but like i mean you don't hear too much from fat boy slim or i mean the propeller heads like i know of like that one album i don't know if they're big still well, um but these guys I have stayed relevant yeah, because Fatboy some sort of like kept making music under different names and working with a bunch of people. He kind of lost what he was doing, but he still DJs huge and propeller heads. They never really did anything after that album. I think they just kind of went their own separate ways. But yeah, a lot of the electronic bands, they either disappeared, uh, members went on, but then the ones who kind of like started it, uh, like Chemical Brothers are still together. Prodigy is still together, though they did lose Keith Flint last year. Daft Punk is, they're just like icons. <laughs> mm. <laughs> kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if they release an album this year. I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised just because it seems like they kind of function on their own timetable. But yeah, yeah Chemical Brothers were the only bands from that era that never stopped. Like Prodigy took a break. Daft Punk uh, takes huge breaks. Fatboy Slim became his own thing. Whereas, and then a lot of those bands like, you know, because there was a ton of electronic bands back like then. Crystal like Crystal Method. Yeah, Crystal Method, um, Fluke, uh, Left Fields. There, there were so many. Like you can, I can probably name like 50 here. A lot of them stopped, changed a lot, or, or just be, started making music under different names. Whereas Chemical Brothers just kept chugging along and kept putting out mm -hmm. work that people just loved. And because they had the history, they were always relevant because their history was so important that whenever they released something, it was important. And it seems like in England, they're just one of the big, bigger acts there. Like they'll, they'll play like huge festivals and huge outdoor shows. Yeah. And because they have their, they're drawing on so many different, um, you know, genres and stuff. Yeah. It's harder to run out of ideas. It's harder to get like slide into like a one sort of thing. It's hard. Well, if you're interested and you're right, it comes across as honest. It's not like they're just doing it because they need a rock song to market to the rock guys. It, it, they are just interested in different music. So then you yeah, get like, a lot of ideas coming in. Like when further came out, what was it? The first, one of the first songs they released off, it was like an 11 and a half minute song. So it's not like they're yeah. looking for radio play. They're just doing their thing. And, people will like it. Whereas before it seemed like for those two albums, it's almost like they were releasing songs that could be get played on the radio, which didn't always work. So they, so they're like, okay, trying is not working. Let's just be ourselves. And that worked. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened exactly, but yeah, from the, from an outsider, it looked like, okay, now they're working, you know, every song has someone singing on it, or at least like a lot more songs than before. Mm -hmm. but like you did get like songs, like believe that I really liked and, you know, and galvanize and stuff during that era. They released some of their probably their most popular songs during that era, even. Just as far as an album goes, it was it's almost like the albums took a 
step back, whereas the singles might have been a little more radio friendly. Now, I know you've kind of, kind of spent the last few minutes answering this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, is, is this their peak? I, because when you look at the discography and the record sales, this is the album that, the last album that they had that went platinum. Um, so I know we're fans, so we have like a different answer, but did this peak, is this the peak of Chemical Brothers in the mainstream? I would say it's for the mainstream. It's weird because back then, yeah, like what they were doing was seemed like it was more like relevant. It was new. It was like cutting edge. It was kind of getting radio play. But now just the amount of respect that they have now and how they're viewed now, it's almost like it's a peak now because when they were, when they're releasing something like, uh, you know, no geography, there's a lot more attention being paid to it than when they released surrender. So I feel like they have a lot more power now, you know, like five years ago, they were doing songs for the Olympics. You know, they did a soundtrack for Hannah. Like they, it seemed they did a song for hunger games, you know, like they're, they're just so much bigger now than they were back then where artistically you can maybe say that's when they were doing their most cutting edge stuff with dig your own hole and surrender. But I feel like as far as their power is, it's probably now. So it's almost right. like, like artistically, yes, maybe the, late 90s was their peak but as terms as like them doing something and people paying attention to it is now and that like in terms of their peak in in i guess where they peak on the charts because of all that extra attention now if they just released another crossover rock kind of song well that would easily like a lot so long as it's just, oh, no, they, they still chart good but they, they still chart on the ele electronic dance music charts just that there's charts specifically for them now whereas before they didn't really have a place so they were getting on the pop charts or yeah the pop charts. i'm talking about getting your song on chime fm or you know whatever <laughs> if you have a song that can make it that far well, then then it's that's the thing, though. When they released Galvanize, where Chaos was on it, that song got played all the time just because there was yeah, that's true. someone singing on it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you guys. I think this is probably the peak of, um, like, maybe their popularity in the mainstream. But they have endless credibility. Um, I mean, they always they always just, like, if they want to feature, they'll just get Q-tip, it seems like. Like, they have endless credibility. And um, I think the other thing is, too, when they want to do something like a soundtrack, it creates waves. It's like, oh, Chemical Brothers could be doing the soundtrack. Okay, let's get ready for it. Like, it's it's like Daft Punk. If they want to do a soundtrack, they do it's Tron soundtrack. Everybody's here to buy that soundtrack because they know what they're getting. Yeah, I, I, saying, I, I said chaos earlier. I meant Q-tip. I don't know why I said chaos. Okay. Oh, well, he was on a song, too, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really indie, though, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to ask one other thing. I, the final question, I guess, we have before we get into the, the main question is uh, the album's place in history or, or, or their place in history. And you hinted at this before, Anise, uh, earlier. Um, are the Chemical Brothers popular? Like, I mean, I, when I looked at their Spotify, they don't have a single song that has over 100 million plays, which I think is a first for us. So, like, it seems like they're not looking at Spotify alone. It seems like they're not that popular. And I, I wonder how many like listens this, or how much interest this episode will have. But at the same time, when you look into it and the, the loyal fan base that they do have is, is very loyal and they do turn out and they do have muscle. I was, I was looking at that, the, the numbers too, like not to like get too heavily in the numbers, but I was saying how like the, the amount of monthly listeners they have is, is no different than a lot of the rock acts from like the nineties that are still kind of kicking around. So I, mm. I, I think they're, they're somewhat popular. I think their music just might be more um, 
Like they don't have like, hey boy, hey girl, the most streamed, followed by galvanized. But I, I feel like probably more of their stuff is like there isn't as many spikes for songs. There's probably people who just go back and listen to specific albums. Cause like unless I'm surprised that like Block Rock and Beats and Setting Sun aren't just through the roof for plays. Me too. They're sure. not even in the top five. So it's so it's kind of like what is it just like Block Rock and Beats is number six with 23 million and then salmon dances up there even which is a song i pointed out is hating <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like all their singles are just kind of equally listened to like there isn't as many spikes with their songs as 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 much as like some of the older acts that might have their three biggest singles on playlists that are just getting played non-stop you have hey boy hey girl that's probably on some sort of dance playlist and then everything else is just based on the fandom yeah, like, do they have much of a cult following? Because if you have a dedicated fan base that is, like, you know, well, if they're dedicated and reliable, you don't, you don't, you can just, you don't really need to be huge in the mainstream to to keep the machine moving. Well, like, huge in the mainstream for them, it's it's, it's a little different. Like, they're releasing eleven minute, eight minute songs. Like, they're I don't think they're really looking for. Yeah for to have like a number one hit single on the radio I, they're pretty much like a legacy act at this point like if they tour it's going to be at big venues they release a song it's going to get some like some sort of attention like it seems like they're in the conversation when it comes to soundtracks and and things on of those nature like they're included in these things i don't know i i feel like they're they're not household names but for people who know music to some extent because i i remember in the summer there was like one of those things on Facebook where it was like post 10 albums that affected your childhood. And I was surprised how many people were posting chemical brothers. I was actually, I know it's like a smaller sample size and it's something stupid like Facebook votes, but I was still like, well, that guy listens to chemical brothers. Hey, that guy listens mm -hmm. to chemical brothers. It was, it was a bit kind of eye-opening. I, mean, I think the other thing is too, like since we were here in Canada, like, if we were to have this conversation with anybody in like the UK, they'd be like, Oh yeah, they're the biggest band. Like, so maybe, maybe it's just like a, an overseas thing or um, something like that. I, I'm not sure. But I mean, I was thinking like after thinking of, of like how popular are they? It's like, we we're kind of in the perfect spot because we grew up with the nineties. Um, we know who they are. And then, but the other thing is too, like when you hear songs like go, which are popular, it's like, are people like seeking those songs out? Like they Shazam it and they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like they're not, really listening to it or embracing it well the thing for me is like songs that go and galvanize are not even close to any of my favorite chemical brothers albums because i feel like if you are like a chemical brothers fan those songs aren't really like the best representation of who they are whereas those mm. are the songs that i hear being played like like they'll be played like on the radio or like during a sporting event or something so it's 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 i don't know it's almost like for me they're an albums group they're not really like singles even do those I, songs I, get sorry yeah sorry do those songs get thrown in playlists a lot i assume just by how the play counts look that hey boy hey girl galvanize and go are on some sort of playlist because they have the, the most by by a wide margin like plays but other than that it all seems fairly even other than like block rock and beats and the certain singles that i'm sure will have bigger bumps where I don't know. I feel like they just have their fans that they release music. It gets listened to the big, I'm sure block rock. And that's another thing too. There's when you get to like block rock and beats, you have multiple different versions. You have the radio edit, 
you have the version on the greatest hits you have the version on the album so the, split play, plays. the plays on spotify are probably getting diluted because mm-hmm. when you go on spotify they have a single for every single single because they have so many b-sides so if you do search like setting sun you might not be listening to the one on the album you might be listening to the one on from the single or the one from the greatest hits and then you have surrender you have the deluxe edition plus the regular edition <laughs> i so wonder if bands will stop doing that plays nowadays like even when you look at this it's being so diluted but whatever mm. i think they're popular that... i'm gonna go with that <laughs> yeah did you listen to the uh the i didn't even know there was a 20th anniversary of surrender did you listen to that this week i didn't listen to it this week but it's just like remixes isn't it isn't it there was yeah remix. it's like it's like almost three hours long, but yeah, it just turns into like just remixes, extended plays. There's a bunch of B-sides on it, um, but it's mostly, yeah, just remixes. I've probably already heard the B-sides just from singles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Diamond Sky, Studio K, Power Move. Yeah, I've heard Electronic Battle Weapon 4. Yeah, I, I know those. So it's nothing new, new, I guess, other than the remixes. Yeah. Mm. And then I guess just to kind of briefly explain before we ask the question, the whole thing with the electronic battle weapons, um, basically it's um, what DJs do. They release records like on a white label. So that way DJs, when they can test their material and they have no, uh, nobody has like any, um, any uh, pre, I can't think of the word I'm looking for here. Yeah, preconceived notion of of what it's like, oh, this is, nobody knows what it is, right? So um, I think I did get the Brotherhood album, which is had 10 uh, Brotherhood tracks, which end up becoming songs or B-sides to their albums. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. Like, that's how they test their material. They'll they'll give it up to DJs, 500 copies, send them out. Because in the early days, electronic battle weapons were like, you just heard about them because they're only on vinyl. It's like, oh, they have these, like, where they release it and it, usually turns out end up being a song but it kind of gives you like an idea of what the album's going to sound like but yeah i think this is around the time where the next album i believe it began in africa was a electronic battle weapon that was the first time that i first heard it as an as an electronic battle mm-hmm. weapon as opposed to the song so yeah it was such kind of- a cool name such a cool name for a focus group <laughs> electronic battle weapon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess but I know it was always sort of like a mythic thing that you kind of heard about. And then when the internet era came, you were able to download them and hear them before the album came out. And then they released them all as part of the uh, greatest hits. So at that point, you're able to get the first like three that were hard to get and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so do you guys have any final thoughts before we ask the question? Anything you want to mention that we missed? No. We're good. All right. Shoot. So I guess, I guess we'll ask, uh, is it essential? Uh, who wants to go first? I can go first if you guys still want to go for it. Go for it, Gordon. All right. So, yeah, I mean, yes, I think this album is essential. I think it's a good mix of um, everything that you saw before the, the, the first two albums and then everything that'll kind of come after. Um, let me see what else I have here. Um, I, I like that they, they, I think Chemical Brothers are the masters of mixing um, house, house or electronic music and, and giving it a rock feel, even down to like the structure, the sequencing of the album. Um, so if, if, if you're not a house or a dance EDM fan, I think you'll still like this album listening to it. Uh, so I think it's a good pick for us, uh, at least uh, to, to focus on for an episode of our Essential Album podcast. Um, and then... Um, and then, yeah, we, we talked about this at the beginning, but I love the first three tracks, especially how it hooks you. 
I think chemical brothers are, are masters of, of digging their claws into you. Um, like, for example, you can think of like further, you think of those first two tracks, that's like 18 to 20 minutes of the album right there. So you look at, at a third and it seemed like it was only one song. Uh, so uh, I love the energy and, and what they bring on that regard. So I think this is essential. I would argue that they have at least two essentials, maybe even three uh, based on the rates for me personally, based on the, on the rate, how often I listen to those uh, three albums. Whoa. Yeah. Three essential albums. That's a, that's huge. Um, yeah, they're popular. I, well, they're popular to me. I, I, I love these. Essential <laughs> to Gordon. I will say this one's essential too, just because it, I mean, for a few reasons, but because it's such a bridging, uh, like Chemical Brothers bridge, and so, specifically on this album, it's it bridged to so many different camps. Um, it introduced electronic music to a lot of people who didn't, maybe who wouldn't have been into that before. So that, and it also doesn't sound dated. Like it doesn't really, it's not like they're using samples that sound like, you know, oh, that's definitely from the 90s or something. I don't think so. And some some of the drum sounds that I, I was listening to, I'm like, okay, that could have been like Justice or Daft Punk or something like from last year. So it doesn't. Yeah, because a lot of their I sounds. I think for those reasons, yeah. There are some, a lot of the sounds they use are like original enough, like, or they don't use a lot of like samples. A lot of it's just sort of, the electronic equipment they're using or, or whatever drum machines are using. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it, it makes it an original, it gives it original vibe. So it didn't sound dated and it bridged to a lot of different, uh, for a lot of different people in the, in the rock mm-hmm. world, especially. Yeah. yeah Cause I'll jump on, jump on kind of what Gordon was saying. Cause it's hard to, it's hard to say surrenders. Like I'll say it's also essential. It's hard to say surrenders, essential because dig your own hole seems like even more important because of when that came out was sort of like the electronic music boom it seemed like it's almost like there should be a documentary made about dig your own hole daft punk's homework and prodigy's fat of the land because those three albums just seem so important to like electronic mm-hmm. music going forward and you can argue that all music is electronic music now because all these elements are just all over the board like your average pop song is would have been classified as electronic dance music 20 years ago. So yeah, surrender just for surrender. It's just, you know, you have the hate boy, hate girl, which is iconic, iconic dance song. But when you go through the album, it does, it's not even a good representation of what you're going to hear. It's, it's, it's a journey. And that's just one of the, one of the big moments on it. One of the stops that you make along the way. It even comes like so late in the album. It's almost like a, like your final peak before. Yeah before the come down. So I'd say it's, it's important. I, I, I feel like everyone should go back and listen to it. Like even, even if you don't like electronic dance music, this is one of those albums where it's like, just listen to it. You'll find something you like, listen to dig your own hole as well. Cause I can, I can see if you're, if you're into more of like the hip hop way of things or more of like the house music way of things, I can see how some of the more psychedelic things might deter you on this. But if you go back to dig your own hole, you got all, some more of that house music stuff on there so i don't know to me i'm with gordon like chemical brothers seem so important to me because it's almost being a fan of them kind of shaped all the music i listen to in a way like when you cut to like the rocky stuff dancey stuff the dancey rock stuff that was popular in the early 2000s was sort of playing off this or bands like groups we mentioned m83 sort of had chemical brother vibes to their music so yeah i, I don't know i, I feel people should respect 
<laughs> okay, but like if you were gonna say, hey, this is this is the representant representation of the band, would it be surrender or dig your own hole? Well th- that's the thing, they're so different. Like they're like this to be like I, I'd say surrender is a better representation, like uh when you start getting into like the newer stuff and everything, but dig your own hole was it was just such a moment. Like dig your mm. own like just that year just how everything played out. Like there was, I know we, t- I talked about like the big three, but you still have like crystal method and big songs from just artists. You never even heard ever again. You know, they, these dance acts just popped up in 97, 98, 99 and disappeared. And the fact that chemical brothers have been able to stay relevant since then till now where they're releasing, you know, when you read re- reviews for No Geography, a lot of critics are calling it their best album, which is crazy. Like, how many artists do you get who are 25, like over 25 years in, like 10 albums in, people saying it's their best work? It's it's crazy. And it's, it's you have to kind of go back and see where the grassroots of not just they started, but just like the movement of electronic music in the mainstream. Hmm. And, and to add on, I guess, kind of what you were saying, Anise, um, I think Surrender is probably the better representation, but Dig Your Own Hole is probably the more recognizable album by them. Yeah, because it's, it's the same thing when you get to, uh, when you get to like Daft Punk and Prodigy, you kind of get the same sort of thing with those groups too, because you listen to Homework, you listen to Discovery, they're really different. Like Homework is a lot more chopped up and put together, whereas Discovery just seems a lot more tight. And yeah. It's almost the same thing with this, where Dig Your Own Hole seems a lot more like a bunch of young kids just fucking around with these cool sounds, whereas Surrender is a lot tighter. Yeah, and I, something else I forgot to mention, um, this album is really like cohesive. I, I think the other thing with um, like Dig Your Own Hole, it is, it is a fairly cohesive album, but um, this album's probably like their most cohesive, and then it, they hit that again with further in terms of just being like the most cohesive without like, if, if you're not including Don't Think on that, which is a great track, you should always include that. But uh, I think the next closest were in terms of like that cohesion or just like having a solid album that they hit it on is probably um, the like Push Your Button has a similar sound, but like it didn't, like what Anise was saying, it doesn't have the teeth like that these albums have. So that's where it kind of, it kind of falls behind a little bit. Um, and then the other albums, they, they seem like a good collection of kind of all over the board, but doesn't have like an across the board kind of through line. Yeah. And the thing is, if you really are into this music, like we were saying back in the Smashing Pumpkins episode, they have so many B-sides and so many, you know, just tracks that are on like live mixes or versions of songs on soundtracks or whatever there's they have a lot of work there's a lot of chemical brothers to listen to yeah they do a lot of video game stuff too like yeah hearing like just doing the research this week and and uh like a bunch of two like classic ps1 ps2 video games like oh yeah these they were in that like wipeout and stuff like that (laughs) nice seems appropriate yeah so i mean they have a a presence so like if you've seen movies you probably you will recognize one of their songs maybe you don't know the name of the song but like if you go visit their discography you're gonna be like oh okay i remember that song from that movie like vanilla sky or something Mm. sorry did you have something to add any i think i cut you off there um i forgot (laughs) (laughs) yes i did thanks a lot sorry about that it must have not been important if i forgot (laughs) um i mean so that's all i have i don't do you guys have any final final thoughts uh listen to the chemical brothers yeah Yeah, check out further
check out further. check out further it's, they're great to listen to while you're working too that's yeah, what like, i recommend yeah. them for yeah and Definitely. like uh what i was going to say about the whole that's what i was going to say about the whole canada thing it was weird how i couldn't find numbers and stuff of how well they they sell and stuff in canada considering canada seems like a big big area for like dance music house music because we have a lot of like mastercraft dead mouse felix cartel like we have a lot of canadians who are kind of big in the dance world that's why i was sort of surprised that chemical brothers don't really have a you know they don't come play here live i couldn't find their numbers here like did they chart here it was hard to find any sort of canadian information but mm. that's the joys of living in canada we just get lumped in with the u.s yeah please so. chemical brothers here please just come to toronto you don't uh, have to come um, to montreal or vancouver please just toronto, toronto. <laughs> toronto. <laughs> i know it's a pandemic <laughs> just once yeah, and just like, wait a little while and i hope like it doesn't go like the radio headway where like the stage collapses. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we want you to come, please come multiple times. So back to Toronto. All right. I mean, that's all I got. So I guess I'll yeah, I guess let you guys stay out. All right. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Essential Albums podcast. That one was recorded in February. We bumped up Daft Punk's episode to next week in light of the tragic news. So rediscover the robot duo as we dive into their second album, Discovery. Watch out for new episodes. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can give us a follow on Instagram at The Essential Albums Podcast. Original music by myself, Ryan Dugal, and artwork by Vincent Trainer.